Psalm 25. In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. Let's stop right here. If your hope is not in the Lord, who is it in? If it's not in the Lord, I want you thinking with me. If it's not in the Lord, who is it in? You know, um, it, it says here, the, you know, uh, I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame. Then verse three, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. That word hopes implies that you're looking to the Lord. You're waiting on the Lord. You're expecting from the Lord. So if you're not expecting from the Lord, who are you expecting from? Who are you waiting on? Who are you looking to if you're not hoping in the Lord? If, it's, if you're not hoping and looking to the Lord, then your hope and your confident expectation is in the arm of flesh. What does that mean? That means what you can do, what other people can do for you. You're looking and you're, you're waiting and you're expecting something from people. The arm of flesh. You know, whether that's yourself or whether that's someone else, whether it's your, your boss, you, you know, your, a, a co-worker, a friend that you know, um, it, it could be school, it could be something that you're looking to somebody, you're expecting from them. If you are not trusting in the Lord, there's only one other direction you can look, and that's the people, and your people too, right? So if you're not expecting from Him, and if you're not trusting in Him, then you're, you're looking to them. And sometimes because people have influence, maybe you know somebody that has influence. Um, and, and so people will pull on people that they know have influence. You know, an influencer, you know what I'm talking about. Somebody that has a lot of connections, somebody that everybody knows this person, that this person is, is doing well, they got a you know, large platform. So people will do weird stuff around people like that. You ever see people, well, you know, don't, don't uh, raise your hand or anything like that. But I've seen people just get different around people that they know have a large platform or that is an influencer or that has a lot of connections. They go the extra mile to, you know, get them to notice them. You know, they turn into a different person almost. You know, don't, don't become an interviewee when you are around someone that has uh, you know, that's an influencer that has a lot of connections or that's even, you know, maybe they own a business or something like that. Don't become an interviewee. You know what I mean by that? When you go on a job, they, uh, a job interview, um, they ask you a question, right? Tell me a little bit about yourself. And you go in and you tell them about your accomplishments. You tell them where you've worked, what you've done, what you've learned, a little bit about your personality. You, you know, you're trying to sell yourself. I'm a go-getter. I'm this and that, right? I'm a hard worker. I believe when I come to work, you know, I should give all my all to the company, you know? So whatever. I knew somebody that said something like that before. But whatever, you know, you're doing, to try to get that position. Most of all, you should really just rely on the Lord and be yourself. Yes, answer the questions. And that's what they're asking. If they're asking you about yourself, well then tell them that, you know, some, some of the things that you accomplished, because that's what they're asking. But when you are just out with, and you meet people and, uh, you, you know, don't just start selling yourself to people and telling them your whole life story just because of who they are. 
I had someone do that to me. Uh, you know, I was getting ready to minister at, at a place and, you know, this guy comes up to me and he shakes my hand. I'm so-and-so and let me tell you what I've done. And he started, to, and he literally was really doing that, like telling me his whole, you know, life and what he's accomplished and what he is, you know, he's this entrepreneur and he's done this and that. And I'm looking at him thinking, why are you telling me this? Like, I didn't ask you any of this and I'm need to be preparing and doing other things. And you're telling me all these things that I didn't ask. Well, you know, when you're talking to people, you need to be looking in their eyes and you need to be seeing, are they listening to me or are they just enduring me? Are they really caring about what am I, what I'm saying or in, do they have that look like, I wish this guy would just shut up. You know, you, you need to, you need to be aware and conscientious of what people are doing. If someone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And you just keep talking like, yeah, let me tell you what I've done. I did this. And then I worked here and I built this company and I did all that. You know, you need to be really aware. Don't start being different because someone has a lot of connections and influences because you could be looking to that. That's an indication that you're looking to flesh, that you're looking to people. Now, God will put you in opportunities and situations where you have an opportunity and they'll ask you, hey, t tell me about yourself. Tell, wh wh where do you work? What do you do? Don't just then don't be quiet in that and in, in that situation. But don't just push yourself off on people. Does that make sense? Don't just start saying this and telling them that and what you've done. And, you know, the Bible talks about in Jude. Where, where is that in Jude? Go to uh, Jude. It talks about. Well, no, no, no. Just stay uh, where you are. I'll, I'll go to Jude. It talks about doing things, having men's persons an advantage. You are thinking about what you can do that will cause you an advantage. It says this, uh, let's see here, where is that? That In verse 16, it talks about murmurs, complainers. And then it says, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. What is it? Somebody have the NIV that can pull it up real quick? I think I have the Bible on here. Someone can pull up Jude 16, 1 16. There's only one chapter. Jude, right before Revelation, Jude 16. You want to read that out nice and loud for us? Whose people are grumblers and fault the, the latter part of the verse is fine. They follow their own evil desires. They boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. They flatter others for their own advantage. You, you, you know what flattering is? That's flatter is insincerely complimenting people to gain an advantage. That's what flattery is. You are doing it insincerely, but you think if I do this, I'm going to gain an advantage. People do that on social media all the time. The, you know, someone's well known, someone's popular. They'll like to comment and say things, you know, to them like, you're great, you're fabulous. And maybe, maybe they don't say it that way. You know, that's the corny way of saying it. But They'll say things that they wouldn't even say maybe to their own family or anything like that. But man, if this person sees my comment, maybe they'll, you know, share it or, or do, they'll do this or that with it. What are they thinking? They're, it's insincere flattery 
because they're doing it so they can gain some type of advantage with that person. Do you see what I'm saying? We need to be careful of this. That is looking to the flesh. That is putting your confident expectation in flesh and looking to people. And we do not want to do that. And if you look to people, if your eyes are on what people can do for you, and man, and you start to think and daydream about what this person can do for me and how they can help me and how they can be a stepping stone in my life. If they just did this, you do that. You are setting yourself up for disappointment. You will be disappointed if you look to people. You will be let down if your expectation is in people. It's not that it might happen. You will be let down because no one is supposed to be your expectation. No one is supposed to uh, uh, just be the person that takes you to the next place in life. Only the Lord can do that. And yes, he will use individuals, but a lot of times he'll use and, and, and have people do things for you that you did not even expect, that you were not even thinking about, that you forgot about, you are not paying attention to, but your eyes are on the Lord. You're expecting from him. Now, that doesn't mean you're rude and, you know, and, and become haughty. I don't need nobody. You know, I got the Lord. No, that doesn't mean you do that. That doesn't mean so I'm not looking to any of y'all. You know, that, I, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that if you get in a room with somebody who deserves honor and respect, you say, I ain't going to try to impress him. Who's he? I'm not saying you, you be rude to people either, but you are not looking to them. You're not trying to do, give this false flattery and you don't have expectation of them because your confidence is in the Lord. You're looking to the Lord. Amen. Amen. And it says this in the verse, uh, we were in, where were we? Psalm 23, 25, right? Okay. And, uh, so we don't want to look to the Lord. And I, one more thought about that. If you are looking to the, uh, looking to people, you are setting yourself up for uh, a, a temptation to do things that are wrong, to do things that are against the word of God. If you are counting on people, if you are counting on this man, this individual, and we have to put, when I'm saying this, you should be thinking about your situation where you are right now. Who am I looking to? I, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to get here. I'm trying to get there. Who, what are you doing? Are you looking to the Lord? Are you are you expecting God to do something or are you hoping and, and praying, man, this person, if I just get around them enough and do these things, you see, when you do that, though, you can put yourself in a position where you start to compromise your morals and compromise things and do things that you should not do and scheme and steal and do all things that you are not supposed to do. It says in, in the rest of uh, verse 3, Psalm 25, 3, it says, But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. And that's kind of what I just talked about. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth. And teach me, for you are God, my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. So there's not a moment that... We get our eyes off of the Lord. We stay, uh, keep our eyes and our expectation in him. When we find ourselves thinking and starting to look at people, we say, no, 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 they're not. They're not my expectation. I love that person. 
I'll bless that person, I'll pray for that person, but I'm looking to the Lord. Remember, Lord, remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confines, confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. So our eyes are only on the Lord. In the, in the, new, in the Good News translation, that last verse, verse 15 says, I look to the Lord for help at all times, and he rescued me from danger. He rescues me from danger. The easy to read says, I always look to the Lord for help. Only he can free me from my troubles. And we talked about this last week, that our trust is in the Lord, right? So that means our hope and our expectation. We're looking to the Lord. We're expecting from him. We're walking in his truth like these verses of scripture says. He's leading us. We're following. And because we're doing those things all the day long, we're, we're watching what we look at as far as who we're looking to and what we're looking to, including ourselves, including to what we can do in our own strength. And because of that, we're looking to the Lord. He's going to deliver us. He's going to free us. He's going to come through for us. Amen. It's not going to be our ability, not going to be our, you know, our mommy or our daddy or anybody like that. that's going to come through for us. It's not going to be grandma or granny, whatever you call them. It's not going to be, you know, papa or mama. It's going to be the Lord that comes through for us. Right? It's not, it's not going to be the president or anybody. We're looking to the Lord. He's the one who's going to come uh, through for us. And it says in the word of God, no one who ever looks to the Lord will ever be put to shame. Now I know it's real easy to say, Lord, I trust you. We sing about it. You know, that we trust the Lord, that we worship him. It's real easy to sing about those things, but it's another thing to say, I trust you and to actually trust the Lord. You know, we use this word trust so much that I think it kind of loses its significance at times. Because we say, I trust you, man. I, uh, yeah, here, take care of that for me. You sure? Yeah, I trust you. We say that word so much, but I don't think that there's times that we really fully understand what does that mean, that I trust you or trust. Trust means that you have a firm belief in a thing, in a person or in something. Okay, means that you look at this individual or you look at this as very reliable. You know, there are some chairs like these chairs in here. I trust that if I sit down, these chairs will hold me up. But there might be some places where there's some chairs that I would not trust to sit in those chairs that they would hold me up. I would not put my confidence, I would not consider it very reliable that I can sit 
down in these chairs and they would hold me up. There's some vehicles like that, right? We were recently looking for a vehicle for uh, our daughter and there's some vehicles that I'm looking at and I had no trust or confidence in. The price was good. It looked good on the outside, but I had no trust or confidence that these vehicles were reliable at all, that these vehicles would get my daughter from point A to point B for you know the remaining school year or whatever it may be. I had no trust or confidence in it. But then there's other vehicles that I have some more trust in. I have some more confidence in, okay? And so that's what trust is. Trust is you rely on. You're, you're, you have confidence in it. You know that it will come through. Go to uh, Psalm 20. And not everything we're supposed to trust in. Not everyone we're supposed to trust in. Psalm verse 20. And we're going to start in verse 7. Psalm 20, verse 7. It says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. So why were they brought to their knees? Why did they fall? Was it because they used chariots and they used horses? Was that why? No. Why was it? Because, because they trusted in it. It was because they trusted and they relied on it. They had confidence in it. It wasn't because they had horses and had chariots. I mean, many men in the Old Testament had horses and chariots. David had chariots and horses and a lot of them. Solomon had chariots and horses. They had plenty of chariots and horses and they used chariots and horses. What do chariots and horses represent to us? I mean, we, we read that and it doesn't, you know, we don't necessarily use chariots and horses like they did. But if you were to live back then, what does that represent, chariots and horses? To an army, that represents an advantage. That represents speed, okay? That represents a tactical advantage over your enemy who's marching on foot with their sword and spear. You come through on a fast horse and chariot and slice, 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 whatever you're going to do. You like that, that, that sound effect there? Slice, slice, slice. You know, whatever you do, you're on your chariot and you're, you're going through real quick. It gives you an automatic advantage. You guys see that? It gives you an automatic, tactical, strategical advantage in a time of war. Okay? So it's saying that some were trusting in that. They were completely relying on their chariots. They were completely relying on this advantage. But uh, some trust in the name, some trust in the Lord. What's the rest of the script? But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I had a couple of thoughts going <laughs> in my head at the same time. Psalms 44, 6 says this, For I will not trust in my bow, neither shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put them to shame that hated us. It says some, he said, for I will not trust in my bow. You're talking about 
bow and arrow, right? So today we, we don't use a bow and arrow, well, if you go hunting maybe, but you don't typically think bow and arrow. What we today might say, you know, I don't put my trust in my Glock. I don't put my trust in my nine or my concealed weapon. You know, I'm not putting my trust in my security system that I have in my house, my fence and the locks. You know, I'm not putting my trust in those things, you know, but there, there are people that do put their trust in those things. There are people that, man, you know, they, their trust and full confidence is in all the, what they can do, everything that they can do in the natural, you know, they're, 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 you know, loaded up with guns all over the place. They got locks all, 20 locks on one door, security cameras everywhere in the house, and they're fully trusting in the natural, fully trusting in the arm of flesh, fully looking to that. Now, you can go extreme on both sides of those things. There are people that say, well, if you're really trusting the Lord, what do you need? What do you have need for all that? If you're really trusting the Lord and looking to the Lord to protect you, to heal you and keep you, what do you need with all these natural things? What do you need with those things? Why do you have to have this? And why do you have to do all those things? Well, when it comes to trusting the Lord, you have to do what keeps you in confidence and what keeps you in faith. Okay. I believe that the Lord will protect us at nighttime. I, uh, when I go to bed and lay my head down at night, it's night, you know, nighttime. And, uh, you know, there could be situations in the neighborhood. Maybe there was some burglar, uh, burglars, am I saying the right burglars that come out, uh, you know, people with some bad intentions. There could be some of those individuals, um, that I might've heard about the night before on the news or something like that. But I don't, because I trust the Lord and I believe the Lord is protecting us and keeping us, I don't say, we're not going to lock those doors. We're going to keep them wide open and we're going to open the garage too. That way all you out there know, all you heathen know and all the devils know the Lord is our protector. No, we don't do that. We do what we know to do in the natural. <laughs> we do what we do, what, what we know in the natural. I lock the doors. I, you know, close the garage and I do what I know to do in the natural, but I am not trusting in that. My reliance is not on the natural. My reliance is not on me locking the door, me having a good deadbolt on there. My, my reliance is not on that. My reliance is not that I got a camera on my house. I am not, my expectation is still in the Lord to protect us. My expectation and confidence, do you guys see that, is still in the Lord to keep us protected and to watch over us. You guys see what I'm saying? It is not in what I can do in the natural, even though I still do the natural. Okay. When, when, and people need to realize that, that the Lord does use the natural. He uses the natural. He always uses the natural because sometimes people get goofy and in, in that situation. Now, it, it, the same situation, same example I gave you, if I happen to forget that and not lock the door and I happen to forget and leave the garage door open, which has happened. I've left the garage door open all day or something. 
Oh, man, the garage door is open. Well, thank God we, we have angels. And thank God we're not trusting in the closed garage door to keep us safe. We're trusting in the Lord. We're looking to the Lord. He is our protector. But some people just get real goofy with this stuff. And, and they think that if you're really trusting in the Lord, that you do no natural things. That you don't do anything in the natural. But the Lord actually uses natural things. You guys remember when David went out to battle Goliath? You guys all know that story? Do I have to tell it? No, we know, we know the story. Um, well, when he went out to face David or Goliath, well, you know what? Let's go to that. Go to 1 Samuel 17. Let's, let's look at it. I want you to see something. 1 Samuel 17. I think, yeah, 1 Samuel 17. When he, when he went to face Goliath, he didn't say, Goliath, I don't have to do anything because I am in the Lord's army. And all I got to do is watch the hand of God and he's going to strike you to the ground. Your head's going to fly off. All I got to do is stand here. No, that's not what David did. That's not what David did. In verse, uh, 1 Samuel 17, let's start in verse 43. It says, And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that you come to me with staves? And, and the Philistine cursed David by his gods by the Philistines' gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give you flesh, your flesh into the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to you with my trusty slingshot that I just put a laser on. No, he, he didn't say that, right? He wasn't putting his trust in his slingshot. Did he have a slingshot, though? Did he use a slingshot? He used a slingshot, right? You know, I don't know what kind of slingshot it was. Maybe it was the newest, improved slingshot that just came out. Uh, you know, uh, that, that he, he maybe he made it himself. You know, I, I, while he was attending sheep, he made the slingshot and he got it exactly how he wanted it. You know, and maybe I, I don't know, but he didn't say uh, I'm trusting in my slingshot. He didn't say, I'm trusting in the new laser scope I put on it, and, and this thing is so accurate, all I got to do is put that pebble in there, and it zooms right through your forehead. No, he wasn't putting his trust in anything natural. What did he say? He said, you come at me with a sword and with spear and with shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day will the Lord deliver you into my hand and I will smite you and I will take your head from you and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day into the fowls of the air, into the wild beasts of the earth. What was, it, what was the, uh, David looking to? What was he counting on? He was counting on and trusting in who? The Lord, right? He was looking to the Lord. So, his reliance and his confidence was not in what he had or his ability, but the Lord still used it. You know why? Because think about this. Could the Lord have just knocked out Goliath? Could he have just said, you know, I'm tired of this guy mocking 
the gods of Israel, me, the God of Israel. These are my chosen people. I'm just going to knock this guy out from heaven right here. Bam! And knock them to the ground. Could he have done that? Could the Lord, well, let me say it this way. Does the Lord have the ability and the power to do that? Yes. Because I see you guys thinking like, wait a minute, is this a trick question? <laughs> yes, he has the ability and the power to do that. But why doesn't he do it? Because the Lord uses natural people on this earth and he requires faith. And now think about this as well. Could David, before this, Saul, King Saul offered David his armor and basically his weaponry to go out into battle. But what did David say? He said, I can't use this. These are not proven. I have not proved these things. So could have David, could David have gone out and faced Goliath and won with that armor, with, with King Saul's armor and weaponry? Could he have? You don't know what to say, huh? No, <laughs> he couldn't have because he would not have been in faith. He would not have had the confidence in what he was doing naturally and which would have affected his faith. You guys see that? Your, what you do in the natural does affect your faith towards God. For example, you may take a, a certain route to school, to work every day. Let's just say you go a certain route every day to school, every day to work. And maybe there's a lot of traffic. Maybe it's jam packed. You know, you go during rush hour and it's traffic everywhere. But you feel safe and you you pleaded the you, you've commanded the angels to surround you. You believe the Lord has granted you traveling mercies. You're believing that the Lord is going to protect you. He's going to get you from A to B and then from B to A. And you're fully confident that the Lord is going to protect you. But then I say, hey, you know, how long does it take you to get there? You say about 20 minutes. And I tell you, well, you know, there's another route that you could actually take that will take you 10 minutes. You'll save gas. You'll save money. And you say, yeah, tell me about that route. Well, it's, it's this way. And you go through here and you actually have to go through a pretty rough neighborhood. Um, you know, they, it's pretty high crime area. Um, but, you know, you'll save gas. You'll save money. Well, if you do not feel safe in the natural doing that, and you are afraid and in fear doing that, you are not going to be in faith. So you should not do it. You should not take that route because you already are in confidence and in faith in what you're doing naturally that the Lord is going to protect you and keep you by going this way and by going this route. You guys understand what I'm saying? So you need to do what allows you to stay, do whatever you need to do that allows you to stay in faith. You guys understand what I mean by that? Do what is going to allow you to continue to trust God and believe God. Now, there may be situations, there may be circumstances where the Lord says, do something different. You know, for example, Peter, he is confident while he's in the boat. He's confident while he's in the ship that he can stay afloat on the water. But then the Lord says, you know, he says, hey, if that's you, Lord, bid me to come. The Lord says, come because the Lord told him now he can have the faith to do something else. 
that he is still doing this in the natural. It wasn't a spirit. It wasn't. It's a spiritual and super. It's a supernatural thing. But he's still in the flesh doing that. You guys see what I'm saying? He's still taking steps in his body to do that. And so if the Lord tells you to do something, you can do it. But even when the Lord tells you to do something different, yeah, there will be challenges and there will be circumstances that will like the wind and waves to say, whoa, you can't be doing this. You can't be doing this. But if the Lord told you to, you can continue in that. But if the, the Lord did not tell you to do something, then you should not try to do something that the Lord did not tell you to do. Do what it's going to allow you to stay in faith. And that's what David did. David didn't say, I'm going to try this new armor and, and this new shield and this new spear and all that. He said, man, this is not proven. I, he didn't have confidence in that. And that would have hindered and hurt his faith, trying to do something that he was not supposed to do. So even though he used a slingshot, even though he used the rock, he was not trusting in that. His confidence was still in the Lord. Do you see that? So what am I talking about? You know, I love, you, you can apply this to what we were just talking about, to all aspects of your life. But I love this country. I love America. Um, I love the freedoms that it has. I believe we should respect the people that have shed their blood for this country, those that have given their life for this country. I, I don't think we should be disrespecting our nation. I, I believe that we don't disrespect the national anthem, the flag. I don't believe that we should do that. I believe that we should do what we can to vote, to advance a, a, a godly agenda, to promote the kingdom of God as best we can. The, you know, government is not going to turn into the kingdom of God, but we should at least do what we can do in the natural within our power to promote the gospel and to put people that will, that will allow the gospel to be preached. Amen? Amen. But that does not mean that everybody is supposed to run for office. That does not mean that everybody is supposed to be marching around the Capitol building right now saying, give us our freedoms. We want freedom. That doesn't mean everybody's supposed to be doing that. And why am I saying that? Because there's some people that are acting like everybody is supposed to be running for office or everybody is supposed to be marching around the Capitol building or everybody is supposed to go on a, you know, downtown and get on a podium and say, we have rights. We're not giving back those rights. You know, not everybody is graced to do a certain thing. You have a grace that God has given you. And you need to stay within what the Lord has told each and every one of you. If you don't know what that is, you need to find out what it is. But everybody has a grace. And if I try to operate in your grace, I'm not I'm going to fail. I'm not going to succeed. And I'm not going, going to have faith to do what God has called you to do or to use what God has given you, the tools that he has given you. Does that make sense? If I try to do something that he has not equipped me to do, I am going to fall flat on my face. If I try to do something that he didn't tell me to do, it's not going to work. All of us need to find out, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be saying? What is my part in this? Because some people are portraying 
and only looking to the arm of flesh, I should say it that way. Some people are only looking at the natural and saying, we need to do this and we need to do that. And everybody should be doing this and everybody should be doing that. Well, is that only natural? Are you only focused on the natural? Are you only thinking about the arm of flesh? Because that's what people who look at the flesh and have confidence in the flesh, that's what they do. They'll put pressure and say, you have to do it this way. It has to be done this way. No, you need to find out what you are supposed to do, what God has equipped and enabled you to do, what he has graced you to do, and you stay with that because that's going to allow you to stay in faith. That's going to allow you to get things done and not do what someone else is called to do. Don't do their job. They're called to do that. You're called to do this. Go to 2 Chronicles. We are not trusting in the flesh and in the natural to get things done. We're trusting in the Lord. 2 Chronicles 32. I'm going to read, actually, we're probably going to read a lot of this chapter, um, starting in verse 1. It's a really good example of what we've just been talking about as far as looking and relying on the Lord, or are we looking and relying on the arm of flesh? 2 Chronicles 32, verse 1. I'm going to read it from the NIV. It says, After all that Hezekiah had so faithfully done, Sennacherib, uh, I believe that's how you say it, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. When Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to wage war against Jerusalem, he consulted with his officials and military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city, and they helped him. They gathered a large group of people who blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water, they said. Then he worked hard repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. He built another wall outside the one and reinforced the terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square to city gate and encouraged them with these words. Well, before I go to that, notice what they're doing. What are they doing? They're doing the natural. They're preparing. They're doing what they know how to what they know how to do in the natural. They they're they're getting you know the building the towers, fortifying the walls, blocking the water. They're doing what they know how to do in the natural. Okay, so they're doing natural things. Notice that, right? And it says that, uh, and he encouraged them with these words. He uh, so let's just start in verse 6 again. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. I like in the King James, actually, um, and that's good too, but in the King James it says, 
there are more with us than be with them. Now, in the natural, that was not true. But he says, there is more that be with us than with them. And here it says, there is a greater power with us than with him. Eight, verse eight, with him is only the arm of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gain confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Judah, said. See, notice this. Hezekiah, they did all the natural stuff. They, they got things ready in the city. They got the walls ready. But they were not relying on what they did. They were not relying on their army. They were not relying on anything that they did in the natural. He said, hey, with them is the arm of flesh. But with us... We are looking to the Lord. We are depending on us. We are depending on the Lord. Look at that, right? And what happened? The people gained confidence. They, 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 they believe this. They really believe this, that, man, I don't care if it's 10 to 1. We have the Lord on our side. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And if it had not been for the Lord on our side, you know, what would have happened to us? But the Lord was on their side. The Lord was going with them. The Lord was going before them. He was, they were fully confident that the Lord was on their side and not on their side. They were fully reliant that the Lord was on their side and not with them at all. They were fully, firmly believing that the Lord was going to be with them, strengthen them, protect them, and they were fully believing and trusting that the Lord was not going to help them at all. And it says the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah the king said. And verse 9 it says later, when Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and all his forces were laying siege to Lachish, he sent his officers to Jerusalem with this message for Hezekiah, king of Judah, and for all the people of Judah who were there. This is what Sennacherib, king of Assyria, says. On what are you basing your confidence? See, he's, this is what the enemy does. On what are you basing your confidence that you remain in Jerusalem under siege? When Hezekiah says the Lord our God will save us from the hand of the king of Assyria, he is misleading you to let you die of hunger and thirst. Did not Hezekiah himself remove this God's high places and altars, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before one altar and burn sacrifices on it? Do you not know what I and my predecessors have done to all the peoples of the other lands? Were the gods of those other nations ever able to deliver their land from my hand? Who of all the gods of these nations that my predecessors destroyed has been able to save his people from me? How then can your God deliver you from my hand? Now, do not let Hezekiah deceive you and mislead you like this. Do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my predecessors. How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? Sennacherib's officer spoke further against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. The king also wrote letters ridiculing the Lord, the God of Israel, and saying this against him. Just as the gods of the people of the other lands did not rescue their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah would not rescue his people from my hand. You know what he's doing? He's basically saying that trusting in God is not going to do anything. He's basically saying that, hey, 
it didn't work for nobody else. <laughs> Why you think you any any different? Why is your God any different? Those all these other nations I conquered. All these other nations I destroyed those people. See, that's what the enemy does. And your circumstances, they will try to talk to you when you're believing God. You're believing God for that, you know, that promotion. When you're believing God for that next step and whatever you're trying to do, you, the, the, or you're believing God for healing, or you're believing God to help you financially with something, the devil is going to come and say, uh, Do you remember so and so? They died. Why do you think that you're going to get your healing? Do you remember so and so? They went broke. Nothing happened for them. Why do you think that the Lord is going to help you? Why do you think the Lord is going to get rid of your debt? Why do you think the Lord is going to help you and give you favor? See, that is what the Lord, that is what the devil will try to do. He'll say, they're misleading you. Don't believe that religious stuff. Don't believe that Hezekiah's God ain't going to do nothing. No one's ever been able to stop me, nor my predecessors. Those people. That's what the devil will do. Those people have been believing God. They're standing in faith. And look, their relative died. See, you, we cannot judge another person's situation because we don't know what's going on in another person's situation. We don't know what's going on in another person's heart. All you know is that you, if you get like these people that gain confidence, that were fully persuaded, and they were not trusting and looking at the natural. They were not trusting in the arm of flesh. Yeah, they did what they know to do, but they were not looking to that. They were not comparing what they have against the obstacle. They were looking to the Lord. They were depending on God. And if God, told, and if God was on their side and with them, they were fully convinced that it was going to work out. See, the enemy will do that. But with faith... And when you're in faith, it will look at times like everything is against what you're believing God. It will look at times that you are way outnumbered, but that is when you kick it into another gear and you get into the word more and you find more scriptures that say, no, no weapon formed against me will prosper. No, if it's healing, no, the Bible says, that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. It says that he is the Lord that heals me. It says that I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. It says with long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. And you put the word of God in your mouth and you declare it. And that's when you are in faith, it is going to be contrary to the bad report. And that is a normal thing. That is a normal thing that when you're believing God and you look out and you see the Lord, the Lord has told you to do something. He's given you a word. He says, go, move, do that, do this, stand here, stand in faith, go for that job, go for this position, do that. And you start to do it and everything looks contrary to what you're believing God and what he told you to do. You, you may not see everything right away and that's normal when you're in faith. But the Bible says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We're not looking at what we can see. We're not looking in the mirror to determine if we got healed or if we received. We're not looking in our bank account to see if it worked out, if things are matching up. No, we're looking at the word of God and we're saying, God, your word says this. And even though in the natural, 
everything is against me and my circumstances are saying ha ha you're going to you're going to fail you're going to lose you're going to you're going to you know go under you're not going to make it even if your circumstances are talking to you like this Sennacherib uh, king of Assyria you continue to put your trust and reliance on the Lord and go, let's go to verse 18 it says then they called out in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to to uh, to terrify them and make them afraid in order to capture the city. See, that's what the enemy do. He wants you to get in fear. He wants you to only rely on the natural. He he wants you to look at what you have compared to what the enemy has and say, yeah, I can't do anything. And it says they spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the other peoples of the world and the work of human hands. And then King as Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to heaven. That's what you do when you're overwhelmed and it looks like the enemy is coming in and, and closing in on you. You go to God. And it says, And the Lord sent an angel who annihilated all the fighting men and the commanders and officers in the camp of the Assyrian king. So he withdrew to his own land in disgrace. And when he went into the temple of his God, some of his sons, his own flesh and blood, cut him down with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the people of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others. He took care of them on every side. Many brought offerings to Jerusalem for the Lord and valuable gifts for Hezekiah, king of Judah. From then on, he was highly regarded by all the nations. See, it may look like in the natural that all odds are against us. Even some of the things that are going on in our country right now, we may think like, man, everything's against the church. You know, it seems like what's going to happen? What's going to happen to us? Are we going to be able to continue to do this and continue to preach the gospel? Well, do what you are supposed to do. Do what the Lord is telling you to do. Do what you can in the natural. But then we get our eyes on the Lord. We're, we're not depending on anything natural. We're depending on the Lord to come through. We're looking to the God of angel. We're looking to the God of heaven who can, who, who can come through for us and will come through for us and will deliver us. And we must remember that in the end, we win anyway. We win in the end. And no enemy is going to be able to withstand the Lord. No enemy is going to be able to defeat the Lord. We win. And we're looking to the Lord. Amen. It says this in Psalms 33. I'm just going to read this to close. Psalm 33, starting in verse 16. It says, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all his great strength it cannot save we'd say an army tank we'd say something along that lines but the eyes of the lord are on those who fear him on all those who hope is in on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine we wait in hope for the lord he is our help and our shield in him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name may your unfailing love be with us lord even as we put our hope in you amen we hope this message has encouraged you today 
For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.